This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today, and we especially appreciate those who may be watching for the first time. I hope that you'll stay tuned today. We appreciate those who watch every time we come on the air. Now, today, we're going to be talking about the inescapable things of life. There are just some things in life that we cannot escape. What are they? Stay tuned as we discuss them today. We want to continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course that we make available that you might know more about this free course that you might know how to receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, Write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read today from the book of Hebrews. I want to read from the second chapter of Hebrews verse 1 through verse 4, and I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away. For the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders of various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. I want you to notice the question of verse 3, how shall we escape? There are some things in life that we can avoid. You you can go around these things. You can detour around these things. You can avoid these things. But there are just some things in life that are unavoidable. There's absolutely no way to escape them. The question of the writer here in Hebrews is how shall we escape? And let me mention some things today from which there is no escape. People are still trying to escape these things, but they will never be able to do so. You cannot escape having personal responsibility. God made us creatures that have, are to be responsible for the, our conduct in our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that we are going to answer one day, and that answerability carries with it responsibility. You see, I'm not a machine that's been turned loose in the world. I am a creature 
made in the image of God, a human being made by God. And I'm going to answer to God for the life that I've lived. And so I have personal responsibility. It seems as though in our modern society that many people want to escape responsibility. They would like to blame their conduct on other people. There's so much finger-pointing going on today. It's not my fault, it's their fault. But there are some things for which we are all personally responsible. Parents have personal responsibility in the rearing of their children. You cannot point the finger anywhere else. You have that responsibility. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, Paul wrote, beginning in verse 1, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And your fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. Parents, fathers and mothers, have personal responsibility in the rearing of their children. And you cannot give that responsibility to anyone else. You cannot give that responsibility to the school that your children may attend. You cannot give that responsibility to the church. You cannot give that responsibility to the state. You cannot give it to the federal government. You are responsible for bringing those children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. Parents have that responsibility. And also we are responsible for obedience to the gospel of Christ. I have a personal responsibility. In order to obey the gospel, one must believe the gospel, that is, believe in Jesus Christ, and believe that he lived, that he died, he was raised from the dead. And we not only must believe in Christ, we must be willing to repent of our sins. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. People cannot be saved unless they are willing to repent of their sins. And that to be saved by the gospel, obedience to the gospel, I must confess that I believe in Jesus Christ, in Acts the 8th chapter, there was a man who asked, Here is water, what hinders me from being baptized? And he was told, If thou believest all thine heart, thou mayest. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Have you made that confession? And in order to be saved, one must be baptized into Christ. Galatians 3 verse 27 reads, For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, did put on Christ. You cannot put Christ on unless you're baptized into him, for it is in baptism that we put on Jesus Christ. And no one can do that for you. No one can believe for you. No one can repent for you. No one can confess faith in Christ on your behalf. And no one can be baptized for you. That's a personal responsibility. And then we are all responsible for our conduct, day-by-day -day conduct. There are those that want to blame their conduct on society. 
They want to blame their conduct over things that have happened in years gone by. They want to blame their conduct on other people. And that's known as passing the buck. People have been blaming their conduct on others since the beginning of time. It was in the beginning of time that God came to Adam and asked Adam why he had sinned. In other words, why have you done what you do? He said, it's the woman that you gave me, Lord. And the woman said it was a serpent. They wanted to blame their conduct on someone else. People are prone to do that. Moses was on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments. And while he was on the te- up on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments, the people were at the base of the mountain breaking some of them. And they even asked Aaron to make them a calf of gold. And so when Moses came down off of the mountain, Aaron tried to blame it on the people. He said the people wanted it. I did it because the people wanted it. Why did he not accept personal responsibility? And if there's anything that needs to be corrected in our world, and especially in America, is people need to start assuming responsibility for what they do for their lives. I read a little story once about a sign at a Manila uh, depot. And the sign read, the superintendent of the Manila depot is responsible for everything that happens and everything that doesn't happen at the Manila railroad depot. Well, that's accepting responsibility. And I wish that I could impress upon you how important it is to assume personal responsibility. No one can assume responsibility for your worshiping God. I can't worship for you. I can't sing for you. I can't give for you. I can't uh, do anything for you as, as it relates to worship. That's a responsibility that you have as an individual. God is to be worshiped. Revelation 22, 9 just says worship God. And we are to worship him in a specified way, in spirit and in truth, John 4, 24. And no one can do that for you. So there's at least one thing in life from which there's no escape. There is no escaping personal responsibility. But then we cannot escape the all-seeing eye of God. Genesis chapter 16 and verse 13 reads, Thou God seest me. And that's not all bad, is it? Now, if you're living the right kind of a life and you're living in a right relationship with God, it ought to be a comfort to know that God sees you every day, 24-7. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows the needs that you have in your life. He knows when you need picking up and when you need encouragement. Thou, God, seest me. But not only does he see the good, he sees that which is not good. And so God is aware of everything that goes on in our life. And there is no escaping the all-seeing eye of God. The eyes of the Lord, we're told in Proverbs 15 and 3, are in every place, beholding the evil 
and the good. Jonah found out that you cannot run away from the all-seeing eye of God. God told, told Jonah to go to Nineveh and to proclaim against it and to say, yet 40 days in the city of Nineveh shall be overthrown. But Jonah decided to go in the opposite direction. You see, he thought that he could run away from God. And he went down into the sides of a ship, down into the ocean, and down into the belly of a whale. And when you start trying to escape the all-seeing eye of God, it's going to take you down, down, down. There's just no escaping the eye of God Almighty. But another thing that you cannot escape in life is having influence on other people. In Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13, Jesus said, You're the salt of the earth. But, but if the salt hath lost its savor, it is thenceforth good for nothing, but, but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. And then Jesus said, You're the light of the world. A city that is on a hill cannot be hid, and neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And there it gives light to all the house. And then Jesus said, Let your light, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So when we realize that we are lights in the world and we're salt of the earth, we're going to have a good influence on other people and you cannot escape that. I remember when I first began to preach the gospel. I'd just gotten out of school, been in school for about four years, and, and now I'm in my early 20s, I'm out preaching the gospel and there was a man who came to me one day and he said, I want you to know that you'd better not do anything wrong. You'd better watch your every move, your every step because my teenage daughter thinks everything you do is right. And that was just like a, a burden that was put upon my shoulders. You see, I had never realized the tremendous responsibility that I had to set a good example before other people. But all of us ought to do that. First Timothy 4 and 12 says, Be thou an example of the believers. And then he tells us in what areas of our lives that we ought to be good examples to the believers. And, and to put it plainly, we ought to be a good example in everything that we do in life. You see, someone is following after you. And you have an influence on their lives. And they're following your example. An example is a pattern. An example is a pattern to be imitated. And, and we need to be sure that the example that we set before others is a good one. On a little girl's tombstone were these words. It was easier to be good when she was with us. It would not be a good thing to be said about all people. It would be nice to be able to say that about all people. But you can't say that about all people. It's easier to be good when they were with us. That, that simply meant that her influence was of such nature that it was so much easier to live a good life because of the influence that she had on other people. I've been around people like that, haven't you? That it made it so much easier to be good and to, to live a good life because of the light in their life, their influence. And you're not going to escape it. You're not going to escape having influence as a father and as a mother. I wish I could impress every father, every mother watching this telecast right now how important it is to set a good example before your children.
And the time to do it is not later, but now. If you have ever had the opportunity to, to pour a sidewalk at your home, or maybe something else that was made of concrete, maybe you made a patio out of concrete, and you had the men to come out with a truck, and they poured out the concrete, and then it was all smoothed down, and before it dried, Maybe you got down and you wrote with your finger or something else, maybe a stick, the date that this was poured. And it was easy to put that date in that concrete because you see, it was still green. It was still soft. But you come back in 24 hours and you try to do that. And you will not be able to, to, to put a date on it because it will have hardened. And when children are small, their hearts are pliable. Their hearts are tender. Their hearts are impressionable. And that's the time for us to set before them a good example to follow in their lives. Because as they get older, it becomes more difficult to make an impression upon them. Because they're beginning to develop their own personalities, they're beginning to begin to feel independent and whatever we say and whatever we try to do does not have the same effect on them as it did when they were young. And as a parent, you're not going to escape the influence that you have on your children. And the fact is, the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. Your children are going to be just like you. They're going to follow in your footsteps, your example. So no, you do not escape personal responsibility. You cannot escape the all-seeing eye of God, and neither can you escape having influence on other people. But there's yet something else that you cannot escape, and that's the consequences of sin. Oh, now, if you could escape the consequences of sin... Well, that, that, would, that would make uh, headlines in the newspaper, but you cannot. You see, there's a consequence to every action in life. And when we do things that are in violation of the will of God, there's a consequence. For instance, if I were to try to violate God's law of gravity, that's a natural law, there's a consequence. Suppose that I go to some uh, mountain and there's a precipice on top of that mountain that, that, that you can look straight down. And suppose I were to say, you know, I think if I were to jump off the top of this mountain, I, I have so much faith in God, I believe God will save me. And I'm going to defy God's law of gravity. Well, there'd be a consequence to such foolish action because I would kill myself if I were to do that. You see, you cannot violate a law of God, whether in the natural realm or the spiritual realm, without a penalty being involved, without a consequence. In Galatians, the sixth chapter, verses seven and eight, the Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. We reap what we sow. You cannot sow one kind of seed and expect to reap something else. You can't sow a bad seed and then have a good harvest. 
you sow a bad seed, you're going to have a bad harvest. And you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But we need to be sowing to the Spirit. And we sow to the Spirit as we follow the teachings that have been inspired by the Spirit. Doing those things that help us to live a good life now and be in eternity with God in the after a while. To what are you sowing today? If you're sowing to the flesh, and if you're sowing bad seed, there's going to be a consequence to your life. And for example, you're going to reap what you sow, and you're going to reap more than you sow. Why a farmer wouldn't go out in the field and plow up a field and then plant one seed in hopes of just getting one seed back. When he plants one seed, he hopes to get back many other seed of like kind because fruit reproduces after its kind. And he, don't, he wants many seed from that one seed. And from one bad seed that you sow in life, there will be many of the like kind that's going to be reaped in your life. Sometimes people wonder, why is all this happening to me? Maybe it's because you're not sowing the right kind of seed. You see, you cannot break the, the laws of the land without there being a consequence to your breaking the law of the land. Be sure your sin is going to find you out. Your sin will find you out in the execution of human laws. Your sin is going to find you out in your body. You violate the law of good health, and you're going to pay a price for it. You see, you're not going to be able to, to escape the consequences of sin. And let me tell you the end result of a life of sin. Listen to Romans 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. That's not physical death, that's eternal death. Physical death is the separation of the soul from the body. Spiritual death is the separation of the soul from God. And when we sow to the Spirit, when we live a life of sin, you're not going to escape the consequences. That's the reason we have hope in Christ. And by giving our lives to Jesus Christ through obedience to His gospel, by believing in Him and repenting of our sins and confessing faith in Him and being baptized into Him, we have hope of life eternal because our sins have been forgiven in His blood. But if we're living a life of sin, refusing to repent of our sins, refusing to come to Christ who can give us hope of eternal life, you're, there's going to be a consequence that you're going to pay. And you cannot escape it. Nor can we escape death. It's appointed unto a man once to die. I don't know of anything we can do about that. You see, you might say, well, you know, Brother Lambert, I, I take vitamins every day. Well, that's a good thing. I'm not opposed to a person taking vitamins, but you're still going to die. You say, well, I get exercise every day. Well, that's a good thing. I recommend that, and I do some of that myself. But, the, but you're still going to die. You say, well, I try to eat the right kinds of food. That's a good thing, and I recommend that. I encourage that, but you're still going to die. You say, well, I get the right amount of rest every night. 
Well, that's a good thing, and I recommend that, but you're still going to die because it's appointed unto a man wants to die. I know of people who are now in their 90s. I just went to a birthday party of a woman I've known more than 50 years, and it was her 90th birthday, and she is in excellent health. She looks like she's about 75 years old, and her mind is as clear as it ever was. Well, one day she's going to die. One day I'm going to die. One day we're all going to die because you cannot escape death unless you should be living when the Lord comes. You're not going to escape death. Wisdom cannot outsmart death. Strength cannot, outsmart, cannot withstand the, the uh, death and the strength of death. There is nothing that we can do to keep from dying. There's just a step between you and death. There's just a step between me and death. And that's the reason, that's the reason we need to be prepared for it. Live every day as though this was your last day on the face of this earth. Live prepared every day. You're not going to escape it. Somebody says, well, I'll become a Christian before I die. You're going to die before you plan to. Let me tell you that. People die before they aim to die. And so I would encourage you to become a Christian now. But finally, you're not going to escape the eternal verdict of God. It'll not be long till we stand in the judgment and some will hear the Lord say, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Others will hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. What will you hear in that day? That depends upon your assuming responsibility for your life so that in the presence of God you live a good life, have a good influence upon others, and then you're going to be prepared when death comes to you. I want to thank you for watching today and in the closing moments, May I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community and you will have a warm welcome there and also pick up the telephone right now. Call for the free Bible Correspondence Course and do it today and we want to also encourage you to be with us again in the future and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Being at Faulkner is like being a part of a big family. I feel safe here. It seems like I know everybody, and even my professors know me by name. My faith in Christ has grown a lot since coming to Faulkner, especially working with this outstanding Bible department and seeing the general Christian lives of all the professors on campus. Faulkner University is a growing, academically strong institution where Christ is the center of everything we do. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. <laughs>